0: Hi, I'm David Pardella, and you're listening to Between Worlds, a podcast that explores the crevices in immigrant identity and how these nooks and crannies shape each individual's sense of belonging. In this episode, I'm interviewing my roommate, Ben Malik. I came up with the idea for this podcast during the coronavirus pandemic and had to think fast of how I would change my topic in these limited circumstances. I looked to my roommates as sources of inspiration and realized that all five of us have the experiences either being an immigrant ourselves or having parents who are immigrants. I wanted to learn about Ben's history in particular because, like me, he moved to the United States as a child, and I want to see how his experience compared with mine. Just to let you know, the episode does have a technical issue around the 30-minute mark. I didn't realize Anchor stopped recording at that point. I hope you enjoyed the interview. So today I'm interviewing Ben Malik. He is a production manager at Ampetech, which is in what's kind of it's in Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, But what kind of it's an engineering company, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we make um, little little
1: detectors that uh, tell you what things are made of. They're called mass spectroscopy detectors. They're actually being used right now to find uh, COVID-19. How? Well, because uh, you know the images you've seen of the bacteria of the virus that looks like a sphere with all those little things, well, that image is made by one of the machines, by a machine that uses one of our products.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so it's kind of cool. That's cool. Um, And I know you because you're my roommate. We live together for since July. Yeah. So Um, close now. Or we'd known each other for at least two years, maybe more. Yeah, I think probably more um, because yeah I mean I think we had that dinner with Tim like a long legal time ago seafood down in uh was it legal seafood in Kendall Square. Yeah, it was legal seafood in Kendall Square and I feel like that time we went rock climbing with Paul was definitely that was around two years ago, maybe even more. Yeah, yeah. so even we, we've like known each other for a long time. But I didn't really know who you were until you were my roommate. Mm-hmm. And I think I guess that's why I wanted to interview you for this specifically was because like my first impression of you, like when I met you the first couple times, I would never think like are you you're super American like I don't <laughs> like i don't I would not know that you like moved from Slovakia or. Had any sort of immigrant background, just based on the first couple interactions that I had with you, and I, and I guess my impression was also that unless people really get to know you in a sense, like they wouldn't know that part of you. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I got to this house and I was like, "Oh, Ben speaks Slovakian." I didn't know you didn't. I didn't know I didn't know you're Slovakian. I didn't know you could even speak the language. And then also, you just seem like. You're very aware not just of like Slovak culture, but like a lot of like Eastern European culture, which is something I'm totally not familiar with. And also, you're like, yeah, like because our house is pretty diverse. Like yeah. you have a German roommate and you have a Turkish roommate, and you seem to know pretty well um, you know a lot about their cultures as well. Um, yeah, I got pretty lucky, like, my name is
1: Benjamin Malitz, so I can easily make it Benjamin Malik and kind of just be a chameleon. Um, my other family isn't so, so my sister, her name is Linka Malzoma, and there's no hiding she can do uh, to say to not come off as a foreigner. So she's this blonde, blue-eyed girl uh, who went to the inner city in New York City, so she looked, she looked different than everybody else. Had a thick accent, and her name was Lenka Lankamal, Maltzova. And I, uh, coming into America much younger, didn't have an accent. My name is very American-friendly. So yeah, I could easily give. Depending on the situation, I could easily pretend I'm American, or fit, or let people
0: assume I'm American, or let people realize I'm European. And but I remember your cousin came, and he called you. Benji, do most of your family call you Benji yeah. instead of Ben? Yeah. So Benji, Benji would be like,
1: uh, so Slovak. Uh, most Slavic languages have something called diminutives, which in American, like you can say like Bill and Billy, right? Like you make a name cute, right? You endearing. So uh, Slavic languages have a lot. So like, I'm um, yeah, my family called me Benji or Benko or. Uh, my grandma used to call me Benyaminko or uh, my sister calls me Luka Chikovets, but that's something totally different. Um, but yeah, so it's very easy to like tack on these these cute things to, to a name. So Benji's kind of what most people call me. Cool.
0: Um, and how old were you when you moved here again? Yeah, so I was very young. I was only three years old. But it's like, I don't know, I feel like I know a lot of, like I'm Filipino, like I moved here when I was nine. And I feel like I know a lot of Filipino people who also moved here, like when they were younger and they can't speak Filipino at all. Like it's almost like not even, yeah, I mean, they're still very, you know, tied into Filipino culture, but they've lost a lot of like actually Filipino skills. Like they can't cook Filipino food um which is interesting to me because like i don't know i feel like in filipino culture um it's always you know there, there's certain values i guess that are passed down but um in terms of the language and a lot of the actual culture there isn't a lot um that's passed down to filipinos who've become americans
1: yeah i think um it depends a lot on like the family situation. I see the same thing in the Slovak community. My, my family is one of the few who are pretty involved going back to Slovakia pretty often. One advantage I guess I have over the Philippines is uh, to get to Europe uh, is about... Well, to get to Slovakia, average maybe 13 to 15 hours to get there with one transfer. Philippines is probably a little bit longer,
0: right? And much more expensive. Yeah, right. No, definitely. I think yeah, that's definitely part of part of it. Because I also have yeah, like you know, I have a lot of Italian friends. Yeah, um, and a lot of the friends who, you know, who were actually born or moved, born here or moved here when they were younger. Um, yeah, they they all speak the language and they can they go back there pretty often. Whereas like for Filipinos, it's really like this is like our main place basically like the only other place we only meet filipinos here we don't a lot of filipino americans don't have a sense of like what real filipinos are like and that's that becomes more obvious especially when you go to college and you see the difference between international students from the philippines and Mm -hmm. filipino-americans i feel like filipino-americans like sort of (coughs) sorry sort of an idealized version of the philippines in the head whereas a lot of filipinos are a bit more like sort of critical like mm. the philippines
1: yeah and th- that's the other thing that i have an advantage of like um, slovakia is a, a still like a realistic place for lots of people to consider either retirement or eventually returning after they've been in america and i think that's part of the history with my family mm. is there was always this idea of we're gonna be in America, or we're gonna have our children study here, and once they finish college, we'll just go back. It's not even a retirement like before retirement; just uh, take the money that we worked hard for here in America and go home. Right. So it was always, I guess that's the difference. Like it felt like uh, Salaca so like was always home. Mm. New York City was was our second home for sure, but kind of a base of operations. So it's like headquarters was New York, home was.
0: Yeah, that is cool because, yeah, I don't think, I can't think of Filipinos here who like want to go back to the Philippines for retirement. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you know, obviously there's probably a large like, you know, obviously gap in development between the Philippines and economic development, at least between the Philippines and Slovakia. Um, but it's so, still like, it's like fun to visit and it's good to see your relatives in the Philippines, but like I myself and a lot of people I know can't imagine going back just because... The situation there is, yeah it's just not not a great quality of life, I guess, in in a lot of ways. Um, And so you moved here when you were three. Um, What made your parents end up moving to, not just to the United States, but to New York specifically? Yeah, so uh, that's actually a good question
1: because... Uh, Slovaks and like the Eastern Bloc communities were very much in other cities like Philadelphia. Uh, Pittsburgh was a huge, Ch- uh, Czechoslovakia is founded in Pittsburgh. And uh, Chicago is, is known as the largest Polish city in the world. Right. right. So, um, and Slovak and Polish is very similar. So, my father, my parents decided to come to America uh, right after the wall fell most most eastern europeans after the wall fell had a large sense of excitement they wanted to stay and see what happens right they'd be literally be a part of history of you know the wall falling like you know rebuilding this this country so not a lot of people left in uh the time my my family did um and we chose new york because there was a small old Czechoslovak community in new york city at the time there's a famous uh, bar called the Bohemian Beer Garden that's there, mm-hmm. and there's a, a few other Czech and Slovak establishments in the area that were established by people who escaped in 1968 when communism, when severe communism infiltrated the country. So, those people were still around. They were turning 60; yeah, they were you know 60 or 70 when my father came in. But it was still a strong enough community that uh, that uh, it was easy to jump into. So that's why they went to New York, and I, I guess part of it, the other thing is like New York City is like the inconquerable city, or you know, like right. everyone wants to take a shot at New York. Where uh, as much as Chicago felt more more inviting, it's it doesn't have that same reputation of you know making it in the city, right? In New York City. Yeah. And so, what did your parents do when they first got there? So. My father was a plumber by trade, and so when he came... Even when he was in Slovakia? Yeah. Okay. And so when he, when first he came by himself to America, and uh, he, so he continued being a plumber. So he was a plumber for Carnegie Hall for who knows how many years. Um, Like the music venue? Yeah, the music venue. So he was the the in-house plumber for Carnegie, Uh, and he did that for a long time. And my mom was always a stay-at-home mom. And so in the beginning, it was very much, like, you know, babysitting and um, working, uh, cleaning houses. So, yeah, she was a babysitter, a house cleaner. She even babysat for the show Mori, if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, my my gosh, what? Yeah, so,
0: you know... uh, it, it, you the father and all that. What? My mom was babysitting the kids. That's insane. <laughs> that's really the, the most amazing story I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, so uh that's funny, but they had no my mom had no idea what she signed up for. You know, they got there and you know she's babysitting the kids. And my mom comes home She's like, oh well, I got this interesting gig. I'm like babysitting these kids for this show on TV. Benji,
0: have you ever heard of them? I'm Like, what's the show? It's like Maury. And uh, <laughs> So she would go to the studio, yeah, she and babysit the, the kids and
1: babysit the kids until it was time for them to go out and you know have the whole
0: is he the father moment with the kids and stuff. That's, some, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, did your parents like how is their English when they moved here? It's still terrible,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, they they can get by. So they can watch they can watch movies, um, you know, and they can do administrative work. Uh, and, like, interact with the government and all those things. So that they have a, a good understanding of English, but a very, but a terrible sense of communication where even I who know, like, their back, their, the background language, I, like, know they're thinking in Slovak in their head. And I always think, like, oh, they didn't get it, and I have to translate it to them. And they tell me, they can articulate it to me in Slovak, but in English, if you were to communicate with them, it
0: seems like you didn't get through it all right so wow so that i mean that's a big reason also why you speak it is because like your parents they prod- so when you were a kid they probably forgot yeah, we, speak, to even- we speak so to this so day, yeah wow yeah cuz like so my my sister
1: and I, we have a big gap so my sister was young she she was 10 she didn't know english right my my parents didn't know english it's not like today where you can learn languages pretty well and like have available resources to audio and movies and stuff, right? We kind of take it for granted. Um but in back when our parents were studying languages, that's why everyone was making fun of accents because people just never heard how a French person talks or never heard how someone says something in their native language. And you know that native language. Right. So yeah their English was uh, was not good. They had no English when they came here. And so that's when my father went to New York and kind of uh, Attached himself to this old Czechoslovak community
0: and the Polish community in large. Okay, and so in the Filipino community, it's like a there's like a huge um, desire, I guess, for Filipinos to stay together here. Mm-hmm. And most of that's, is actually around the Catholic Church, because the Philippines is like a predominantly Catholic country, and. In the same, I guess, in a lot of predominantly Catholic countries, like, say, Italy, like, a lot of the community is based around parishes. Um, And so there is that sort of parochial sense that exists within the Filipino community, especially here in Boston. But a lot of the kids, you know, who, you know, are second generation, they're not, they don't become, they don't really see their, social ties you know tied to the church it's more just like oh we all grew up together our parents all know each other um but it's still very important for them to sort of stick together because in a sense they're like sort of the only kids who know each other um so did you was there sort of a Slovak community in New York or was it like did your parents um like what was were your parents involved in it like what was so that like yeah, so that's that's kind of the cool thing about it, um, because so few Slovaks
1: and Czechs came at the end at the fall of the wall. My father was really a pioneer. Like it was him and these seventy-year-olds, and through my father, the Czechoslovak community started up again. So you could say like you had all these old people in there that are you could say veterans, and uh, my father was the first person of the third wave. So we have, we say well, there's like three waves of immigration. And it was uh when Czechoslovakia was founded in Pittsburgh in like 1920s, after sorry, 19 teens after World War One, 1968 when the communists came in big wave, and then 1989. So my father was the first third, one of the first third waivers. And because everybody knew him, he was a pretty popular guy. All of his friends came and so, so the Slav community is actually also my family. <laughs> okay. And so it's like my family, oh, yeah. as well as and people from my town. So my town is outrageously overrepresented. Your town in Slovakia. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. What's the name of it? It's called Kežmarok. Okay. It's a town of fourteen thousand people. <laughs> super small town. <laughs> and you go and you you walk around the streets of New York, and you go to any kind of like Slovak community thing, and half
0: the people are from my town. It's it's bizarre. It's insane. There were just a large wave of immigrants from that particular yeah. town to New York. Yeah. Mainly because of my father. Because, so they sort of like heard your, there was this oh, well, community in New York. Dad yeah, was literally my
1: father left, you know, got calling cards, called all his friends and said, guys, come over, you know, like come out. Wow. And a lot of his friends came and the friends of those friends came and the friends of those kids friends came and over like, uh, immigration to America always stopped in the 2000s, but between 89 and 2000, and I
0: don't know, 2005, like who knows, I'd say 2,000 people from my town
1: came and lived in New York City.
0: And and so when they came together, like, how are, were these meetings based around a particular place, or was it just sort of an informal community, or is there yeah. is there a particular, like, was there like a Slovak, like, Official Slovak community like yeah, so I think the for the
1: when I was a kid I remember the Bohemian beer garden that I mentioned earlier was the linchpin of the uh, okay of the whole thing so um, Slovaks we're a small country. There's five million Slovaks So so we don't really do things on our own very much So it's always a Czechoslovak affair. So Czech Czechs and Slovaks would always hang out together um so the Bohemian Beer Garden was, was excellent. Like we, we were all hanging out there. And then I guess over time, the community's involved and it's gotten more connected with media and things like that, with Facebook and everything. So it's changed a lot since I was a kid. Uh, but, but for the most part, most Czechs and Slovaks in New York City live, if they're in New York City, they're living in Astoria. And if they're outside of the city, it's like New Jersey or Connecticut the suburbs. There's a few towns that are very popular. Okay. And there's a church on 2nd Avenue and 60th Street, but that real estate is extremely expensive. And that's that real estate was bought during the first wave in the teens, in the 19-teens, but there's no Slovaks there anymore, just the mass. So that, that's another big one. Mm-hmm. But just one funny thing is, like, Slovaks are very Catholic, like the Poles, and then Czechs are, I, they always compete for the first spot of atheists in the world really yeah (laughs) i didn't know it's like it's like czechs and chinese and like some other countries like constantly like switching who's the most atheist and slovaks are like right there with the most most masculine
0: catholics so i mean okay i need a little history lesson here because czechoslovakia used to be one country so how is it that all the Czechs are atheists and all this. Yeah, it's, it's one like of the
1: Catholic. one of the weirdest things. I still don't know yet how that happened. Uh, I really have no clue, but I guess some idea. When, geez, yeah, I really don't know. I think when when we were under Austria Hungary. So, quick quick <laughs> quick replay of, of history of Czechoslovakia yeah. uh, for for like a bajillion years we were on the, the Austro-Hungarian Empire and then in 1918 we split up we split off and it became Czechoslovakia uh, and then uh 19 then in World War II we became the Socialistic Republic was after World War II we became the Socialistic Republic of Czechoslovakia and then we became the Czechoslovak Federation and then we became Slovakia so I laughed my, my grandma lived in six countries and never moved that's right no exactly yeah but um when we were under austro hungary the Slo- what's considered Slovakia, was under the a direct, under the direct control of the Hungarian crown, and the Czechs were under the Austrian crown, and both Austrian and Hungarian crown were under the austro hungarian Empire. Right, so think of it like a federal system, but more levels. So you had the empire, then the kingdom, then the duchesses, then the counties, and, blah, blah, and like all these like okay. words you might have heard. So Sloks. So you could say almost Slovaks and Czechs were the same people, except uh, Slovaks were Hungarian controlled and Czechs were Austrian controlled. Hungarians were, for some reason, uh, Protestant after the Reformation, and Austrians stayed Catholic. So maybe you can mm-hmm. make the argument that Czechs saw Catholicism as the oppressive something from the oppressors of of um, the Hunga- the Austrians, where Slovaks saw their their rebellion against the hungarians as they're being catholic so maybe that's why Slovaks are very catholic and Austri- and Czechs are not but that's really still hard to tell wow because it's just so distinct it's unbelievable Slovakia, like we export like three things we export cars priests and hockey players <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's what we export to the world um Renz right. Slovakian. He's he's from the town next to me. He's from Milk Bel- uh, well he lives in the town next to me. Wow. Uh so I used to laugh. I was his neighbor twice because I lived in the North End right. and right. Laugh <laughs> so, and then you have you know the Czechs, you have a Pasternak and the Harak. Uh they're all they're all from Daryl Chuck.
0: Yeah.
1: Well Halak is Slovak, Pasternak is Czech. Zdenochara uh, is Slovak. There's a, one more Czech guy, I forget. I'm blanking right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the, and the Czechs just happen to be very, atheist. Yeah. so because we're always together, Czechs and Slovaks, um, mm-hmm. unlike the Filipino community, the church wasn't something that brought us together. It was, for us, it would be like the church would bring the Slovaks together, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. bring the Czechoslovaks together.
0: But okay, so it, in this beer garden it was just Slovakia or they're all to Czechoslovakia it was all yeah. But it was Czechoslovakian. Yeah. So it was the whole yeah, whole Treme. Yeah. All fifteen million instead of just <laughs> five and ten million. Right. I don't know how many people are in the Philippines. <clears throat> um and yeah, for myself, I guess. Well I moved here when I was nine and by that time the Filipino-American community, you know, so I sort of established myself, you know, my uncle, I guess, was one of the first people, Filipino people in Boston who helped establish the Filipino community Mm -hmm. here. And so my cousins were very involved in the Filipino community. Their best friends until today are still these kids who are Filipino-American. And so I had a difficult relationship with, like, a lot of the Filipino-American kids, um I was I mean one, I was very shy like when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And two, I felt like um the you know Filipino Americans were sort of very clicky and that was partially because yeah, they, they were like the only community community they had. And so in a sense they didn't really know in a sense like how to integrate me or what to do with me or How to socialize with me, and I didn't know how to socialize with them. Um, but yeah, my my cousins, you know, find their main friend groups through that community. So I'm just curious how what your relationship was with you know kids who were your age growing up. Um, were you did you have friends in the Slovak community, and what's your relationship with them now? So again, there's there's only
1: 15 million Czechoslovaks in the world, so. The Czechoslovak community in New York City is probably like 300 people okay. um, that, are, that are active and stuff. And because my father, again, was one of the first people to come, there actually were very few people my age. Even to this day, there's very few people my age that are Slovak in America or Czech. They're either much older than me because um, let's say in 89 or in the 90s when they came, their children were old enough to travel. Or they're much younger than me because the, the person who came to America was 22 or 25 and seeking adventure. Uh, so And then they had kids in America. right? So, okay. so the Slovak community tends to be substantially younger than me or uh, substantially older than me. So I'm kind of like this. Mm-hmm. So I don't have many Slovak friends um, outside of my immediate cousins. Right. So my cousins were like, yeah, my cousins... I was close with growing up and, and that was really my Slovak community as well. So even uh, when we played, we always played in Slovak together mm-hmm. um, that kind of kept that up. And every couple of years, another Slovak cousin would come. So they didn't know English. So we had to, if we had any English slang, we had to get rid of it because the new cousin had no idea what we were saying. So <laughs> I was like, all right, back to square one, you know, create a new pigeon again.
0: So, um, yeah. Um, so you're, Your cousins moved here after your dad came, okay. Um, And what did your was was there mostly people on your dad's side or your mom's side? So let's see.
1: My father came in eighty nine. My my mom, my sister and I came in ninety two. Then my mom, then my father's brother came maybe ninety four. My mom's sister came in ninety five. And then after ninety five, boom, 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 boom. Um, but yeah, so it's like my father's family is bigger, so they a lot more of them are here.
0: Okay. Yeah, my for us, like I guess it was something unexpected. So my uncle moved here in the eighties, and then my mom moved here in 04, Not because she wanted to move here, or because of my uncle in a sense, just because she had a psychiatry conference and was just like, oh like I think I'm gonna stay here. And then my cousins she she I but she was the she wanted her siblings to come here. Mm-hmm. And so I have two aunts right now who are teaching down in Florida. But they only moved here like three or four years ago. So I was already mm-hmm. in college at that point. Um and yeah so I'm curious, um, yeah, what it was like, um, yeah, growing up uh, and immigrating. In the sense, like, what did you feel? I don't know, different in a sense from all kids at your school. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I personally, when I moved here, it was tough because I went straight from the Philippines to like a Boston public school. It was diverse, and there were a lot of kids who were also immigrants, but there were also a lot of kids from rough neighborhoods who sort of like saw me as this like meek Asian kid who <laughs> was sort of easy to pick on. Um, but at the same time, I guess I never really felt too different in, in that situation because there were other kids who were immigrants until mm-hmm. I actually I went to a private school in the suburbs and everyone was white there. And that was where I felt more different. Um, so I guess for yourself, like, did you, what was that experience like? Yeah, this is a, this is a difficult topic. Um, I, I had a
1: very, I guess, counterintuitive environment. I was in my, like my sister, I was also like the token white kid in school. Okay. <laughs> um, so we grew up in a very, uh, when I was young, it was not, very diverse. It was, it was strictly, uh, I guess, lowing. It was uh, strictly low-income uh, Hispanics and uh, in in the neighborhood, and so everyone's speaking Spanish, and they were all from like Colombia and Ecuador, and then uh, it was just me, right? So, right. Wow. um And then and and no no native English speakers, right? Um, so it was like diverse from the point of view, like from America at mass, but uh, in, that, in that small environment, it was, it was everyone from Colombia and Ecuador and me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is where we had the technical difficulty. For some reason, anchor had stopped recording, and our conversation for the next few minutes went unrecorded. So, I had to restart the recording process. Okay. <laughs> so, we're back. Um, I don't know what went on with those, the technical difficulty. Um, but so, you're saying that you're a token white kid in elementary school in Queens is mostly Colombians and Ecuadorians until there's this huge wave of... Um, Bosnia, Yugoslavia broke up yeah
1: all, all of those southern countries so um, that's when like the immigration started really and and by the time I graduated high school I was saying like my best friends it was Samra, Avni, Yasser, Saeed uh, it was just like super diverse to the point where that, that that was just taken for granted everybody in New York City was from someplace else like that's the New York City I know like no one was from America until I went to college and I realized like wow 50 percent it could have been as small as 50 50 percent of the people in college w- were from English speaking households, which is not something I was used to it was always very different ethnicity. so in college I, I kind of hung out with the Hispanic, Ecuadorian, Colombian kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, other, other, t- other people, the, the people from Queens. So,
0: um, yeah, was it was interesting in growing up in such a different place. Um, and, you know, did you feel, as an immigrant, like, I don't know, extra pressure, I guess, to do well in school? Like, I mean, for myself, I mean, my mom didn't come to America because you we were escaping any sort of poverty in the Philippines. It was just sort of that she got tired of her job and was just like, I'm gonna move. Yeah. Um, so I didn't necessarily have that pressure like to economically sustain my family. It was more just like, um, one, it was sort of helping establish a sense of identity and too is also because, like, well, I'm Asian and that's sort of part of the culture, is you're very, like, driven to do well. Um, so I'm just curious whether, you know, having an immigrant background influences that um, for yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, education in, let's say, Czech and Slovak culture ha- wasn't very highly valued because, and I probably true for most most of the former communist countries. Because in order for you to go to college, you had to be part of the party, and the mm-hmm. party machine. And so, if you were someone who was principled, you would usually not go and study. I wouldn't say that's a fast rule, but very few people that I know who were believing Catholics or or um, not diehard communists went to college. Like it was, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, education was not highly valued. It was, it was the other kind of immigrant stereotypes, like work ethic, you know, and right. um, this idea of like family values, uh, family comes first, and, uh, you know, blood is thicker than water. What else can I kind of throw in there? And, and a certain sense of like nationalism, like you, re- you are a representative mm-hmm. of your country right. in this environment, so do the best to represent.
0: Um, yeah. And, and so, and then you ended up going to Colombia to, and you studied engineering. Yeah. At one? I studied mechanical engineering at Columbia. Um, how was that? How was your experience at Columbia? Uh, Columbia, well, it was a lot of fun. More. That's where
1: I found myself wearing my American camouflage more often. It was Benjamin Malik for a lot. And just kind of, unless it was, unless I saw an advantage, I was just bend them out. Um I mean, yeah, my freshman year, I was called Slovak Ben because there was one other Ben there. And so uh, I had a big slot flag in my room. Like everyone came to my dorm room and like, partied with me. It was a lot of fun. So uh, freshman year was pretty fun because uh, I knew. Sat another Eastern European t- stereotype. Sadly, I knew a lot about alcohol and different types of alcohol. So, like, I,
0: I was the source for, for making the parties go. <laughs> four, That's cool. Yeah. You're like the fun yeah. Eastern European dude.
1: And then, uh, uh, Columbia University uh, happens to be one of the few schools where you can, like, learn Czech. You can't learn Slovak. There's only two schools that do that. But it was a Czech, Czech class. So I I was part of the, the Czech the Czech kind of society when when I came on they're like all right let's call it the Czechoslovak society <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun
0: um yeah and so do you when you if you have kids um like how important do you think it is for them to you know know the language um, to you know, still um, be involved in the Slovak culture and the community in a way, um, not just for your kids, but also, you know, future generations. Do you think it's important or do you think that, you know, kids just should sort of integrate into American culture and see what, what, what happens and whether it stays alive or not? Well, that's the million dollar question. And that's
1: like the difficult question I'm asking myself in my life right now. Like, what do I want my family to look like? and definitely has a lot to do with who you pick for as your spouse. Mm-hmm. And I have to come to terms with the fact that if I if I marry someone who's American or not Slovak, then of course that identity will be that much harder to keep alive. And if I marry a Slovak then that becomes a lot easier. But um, I, I think it was a huge benefit that I grew up with both cultures that I can seamlessly transition from Slovak and English culture. There's no disadvantage. And I feel fully assimilated into American culture and fully assimilated into Slovak culture. So I don't think adding a Slovak culture would hurt, but actually it would be super beneficial. My first job was because I knew Slovak. Um, So I was a tour guide for New York City for Slovak tourists. What? Um, that That was my first paying job. As well, actually, no, that was my second paying job. My first paying job was me working for the Slovak Institute of Science, Arts and Science or something. Uh, yeah, Slovak Institute of Arts and Science. And I, I did their their accounting for them. And then I got the gig for the tour guide. And yeah, that was pretty cool. So yeah, it's all, always better to know more languages. always better to have different aspects. And yeah. it's helped me tremendously in life, I think.
0: It's interesting because, I don't know, it's weird. For me, I I find it important, I guess, for my kids to continue to know about Filipino culture. Um, but I think it's also because I, I, don't know, I, I really, I don't like Filipino values, I guess, which is like a weird thing to say. But, you know, a lot of the stereotypes of, Filipino people are that they're, like, super warm and that, like, um, they're, like, generous and they're, like, always happy, which obviously are stereotypes, but it's not, not all Filipino people are like that. But oftentimes, like, you know, I sort of view the Philippines in that way. Um, and maybe if I lived there, it would probably be, like, a different experience. I'd be like, no, like, Filipinos are like <laughs> terrible people. But maybe in a way, like, it's a way for me to identify myself with a culture and feel like I have hope and feel like um, that's, it's a source of something good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So I'm just curious, I guess, like how you view, like what are, what are typical, I guess, characteristics of like Slovak people? I guess like how do you, how do you view yeah. Slovakians?
1: Uh, well, there's so much to say. Right. I'll start with the, the goods. So the good, they're, they're very hospitable they're very good hosts um, to the point of annoyance sometimes <laughs> we have this rule that you have that a host is supposed to ask you 3 times if you want something and as the guest you generally it's polite to say no the first time then kind of give a delayed mm-hmm. no the second time and then finally say yes the third time so if you really want something in a Slovak household, you kind of have to practice this patience. And uh, if you if you don't want something, then it kind of gets annoying because they'll ask you a fourth time and you have to say, like, no, seriously, I don't want whatever you're offering me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, they're very hospitable. Uh, they're very down-to-earth people in the sense, like, like Slovak is like a, in some sense, like meat and potatoes, kind of like just... Mm-hmm. Muscle, working hard, um, doing manual labor. Uh, Yeah, very manual labor esque kind of
0: people. Um, What else can I say about them? I do see you like very into. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Having your own projects and stuff and um, shining your shoes or whatever, which is. Yeah, that sort of hard working mentality is not its not super prevalent actually in, in Filipino culture like it's like obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of poverty in the Philippines so a lot of people sort of you know feel like they have to work hard but when I think all lot of Filipino people to be honest they're kind of bougie and kind of like and sort of like they sort of see hard work more as like a lower class thing, like a labor mm. thing. And, but I, I don't think that's restricted just to Filipinos, but to Asians in general, it's more of a thing. Like you shouldn't be working or something. And like, it's like, if you're well off, you should like not have to work. And I see that in myself. Cause I kind of, I'm not a very like handy ha- handyman kind of person. Yeah. If you couldn't tell. No, it's a very, it's a very, um,
1: Important skill for Slovaks to be handy. So, like in America, you could, I'd compare it to the equivalence of being a gregarious person in America. Like yeah. uh, in America, being entertaining or being able to entertain uh, in terms of like uh, when when duty calls to be extroverted, go out and shake the hands and make someone feel comfortable and go mm-hmm. out of your way to, to make someone feel engaged. That's a very strong American quality that we find very important. And if someone doesn't have that, we all say, "Oh, he's a little weird," or oh, he's a little. "Yeah." In Amer- in Slovakia, it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. If you can't fix your own toilet, you're a loser. <laughs> so, um So, in the same sense, like it's you have to know how to be handy because. This, so, like one of my uncles, is very well off, and yeah, like they'll never. No one will ever call a plumber to fix the toilet. Like that's just not something a Slovak, right? Is. You fix your own toilet. Like if you're a millionaire and your toilet breaks down, you're fixing your toilet. Um, wow. And and Solox in in Europe are like a much smaller version of, of Mexico here, where we emigrate mm-hmm. to the to the rest of the United States to to do labor, and it's usually short term labor, and then we come back and spend the money back So I and then go back out uh, to wherever we're going. So it's Germany, Austria. England. Of course, with Ryanair, flights are like 20 bucks, so it's not a big deal to get on an airplane, go to a different country, work for the whole week for five days, and come back home for the weekend. Yeah. So a lot of people do that. Um, and, and the attitude of Slovaks is, I can't believe I have to fly all the way out to London to fix a guy's toilet, because they don't know how to fix their toilets. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the Slovak mentality. So so they're very hardworking, they're very uh, very practical, and like um, they put their money in in their houses and they put their money in trying to like mm-hmm. entertain their guests or like be good hosts to their guests. So, uh, those are the good qualities of us, of the Slovaks. Some of the bad qualities, sometimes the alcoholism is an issue. I remember I brought my one of my best friends, Avni, that I mentioned earlier, I brought him with me to Slovakia, and it's like a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, and we're walking. And I see one of the old guys in town. I knew exactly who it was. And he's walking and he like falls and, you know, falls into the oh grass. My and my friend's like, oh no, something's wrong. You know, the, the man's having a hard attack Because this is like an 80 year old man. And I was telling him, don't worry. I know who it is. He's just drunk. <laughs> he's like, how can he be drunk? It's 10 a.m. And I said, all right, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll go up to him and see how he's doing. And we get there and I say, um, uh, uh, hello, Mr. Uh, uh, Oh gosh, how are you doing? And you know, of course, outcomes comes a stuttering drunk, like verb, <laughs> like verbiage, just drunk verbiage. You don't have to speak Slovak to rem- realize that. And my friend was just like, "Dang it, we're trying to be nice here." There's a drunk, guy. <laughs> 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. So yeah, so that that kind of sucks. Um, okay. And we don't have immigration ourselves, so sometimes Sloaks can be very uh kind of close-minded on different points of view or different ways of looking at things um so so those are kind of the disadvantages but lots of good
0: advantages to overcome those okay um and then um and this is kind of um like personal i guess but I, uh, one thing i find interesting is that um you know all immigrants sort of come from countries that have different like political histories mm-hmm. and um in the Philippines, especially during the nineteen seventies was under this um, you know sort of dictatorship by this by a president whose name was Ferdinand Marcos, and my father my grandfather was a civil, a civil rights lawyer on my mom's side and so you know, because of that, I guess a lot of my family, personally, like, you know, sort of has a sort of fear of, like, right-wing politics, in a sense, because they mm-hmm. sort of feel like, um, you know, a lot of Marcus's politics are from that side, and it led to, you know, a lot of people incarcerated for no reason, and um, until he was eventually ousted, um, and, and up to now, like I see that a lot of my mom's like political leanings are like more liberal, I guess. and I see that like influence the way that I think. Um, and yeah, so I' I'm, I'm curious as how the history of Slovakia, like you know having you know had a communist, it's like the opposite right because it's more like communist it's mm-hmm. like far left. And that sort of influences people's ideas of, you know, well, what's right politically, and that in turn, like, um, you know, uh, influences their kids. So I'm curious, like, um, did your parents, like, you know, well, teach you about like Slovak history growing up, and like, how did that sort of influence the way that
1: you think politically today? Yeah, um, good question. Um, so yeah, it depends on how you view right and left and what you think those definitions are and how they apply to the situation. Yeah, Czechoslovakia was a communist country ruled by a one-party system uh, that had a lot of similar agenda. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that history definitely influenced my thinking in American politics. And yeah, you're right. Like, I'd say strong majority of Czechoslovaks in America even though they might be maybe um, like liberal or conservative on values and moral sides. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's all over the place but when it comes to government they tend to be more on the libertarian side or the conservative side where Keep the government small. Get it out of my business. So I'd say <laughs> not a popular thing to say, but I'd say ninety percent of the Czechoslovak communities probably voted for Donald right. Trump and are going to vote for him again. Um, but they're not. But I guess the values and morals change a lot, and that's also because the Czechs, like I mentioned, the Czechs and Slovaks, when it comes to morality, have very di- right. unbelievably different points of views. Um, so there, it's very diverse on how to deal with things. So you know big hot topic issues like abortion is, is across the spectrum and um uh, yeah those things would be across the board all over the place but when it comes to socialized medicine when it comes to taxes and freedom, to like uh the right. w- government and their your relationship to you they tend to be
0: much much more cautious um so yeah that is really interesting. Um, yeah, because I think... Yeah, often, often, yeah, there's like, I don't know, a big sort of idea nowadays, like, well, socialism, like, it's like not a... You know, people feel like socialism is sort of like an overstated word. Um, and... But I, I feel like when a lot of people... Who haven't interacted with people from like Eastern European countries, from Poland, like you don't see sort of like the, the other side of it as well. Because I, I I didn't I know I I mostly I, I didn't know any Eastern European until I dated this this Polish girl and I was like, oh, wow, she's like very conservative, and then I understood like, yeah, are because of, it was because of these implications. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of A lot of that history. A lot of that happened. I guess my my last question for you is just, um, you know, for kids who are immigrating here nowadays, um, what, um, you know, what advice would you have for them, I guess, or what have you learned yourself as an immigrant that Hmm. you think would be helpful for them? Like moving there?
1: I think, Definitely, my experiences in immigrants could be radically different than any immigrants coming in today. Um, but I, I think one of the flaws of immigrant communities in America is we tend to think we're better than Americans. Mm-hmm. We like to point out the mistakes that Americans have. And it's always it's good to be critical of everything, but i I think it's also important to take a step back and just remember how amazing. And great this country is and how welcoming it is um, for us immigrants. I cannot imagine uh, anybody that was in my high school feeling well as welcome as they did if they went to Slovakia or I don't know why I highly doubt I'd feel as welcome in any of my friends countries as well right there's this beautiful thing about America that is opening and allows all these immigrants to come here, allows two immigrants to (laughs) sit in Boston, speaking perfect English and and doing a project for a class. So, um, remember, I'd say, yeah, remember your roots, remember the good things that come from your culture and try to bring them into the conversation of what, what America is and, you know, um, yeah, contribute to that melting pot. Uh, Acknowledge that America's a wonderful country that's really welcoming compared to no other country in the world, I think, in this sense. And also, like, just think of the good things that America has and Americans have. And One that I always point out is like, Americans never say no, and they're not afraid to try something new, which I think is so cool. You go to Europe, everyone says no. Yeah. You say like, hey, have you ever tried... Uh, my favorite example is like salted caramel, right? Not a big deal in America. <laughs> Sweet and savory, you know. You go to Salakia and you bring someone caramel, they'll be like, yum. you will give them some kind of salty pretzel. They'll be like, yum. And you say, here's caramel with a little bit of salt. they will be like, what did you just do? <laughs> you can't do that. I, and I say, okay, right. but try. Give it a try. No, there's hundreds of years of history where we only had caramel and we only had salt. Okay. And I'm not going to violate it right now by bringing the two together. Where Americans is mm-hmm. like, Sure. Salted caramel ice cream, salted caramel beer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's add caramel to our salt. I don't know. Like there's right. just this creativity about America. that's great. And it's really cool to embrace all those things. So, oh, that's awesome. Remember you're an immigrant and really appreciate the fact that you are an immigrant in this country and all the beautiful things it has to offer.
0: Great. Yeah. And I've, I've had that similar experience with Italian friends They will not try do they, 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 they can't do root beer. They, I don't know, they just, they they, they can't, if you put broccoli in in pasta, they freak out. (laughs) (laughs) It's broccoli, it's not like a, you
1: know, I don't know. And it it goes way beyond food, right? Food is the easy one to pick on, but um, it's just just accepting any challenge or anything, like at a professional environment. If I ask someone at work to do something and they've never done it before, they'll, tell me, they'll usually tell me, all right, I've never done it, but I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, in the little professional environment I've been involved in Slack, I'd say like, can you do this? And but like, no, I don't do that. I'm like, end of
0: conversation, <laughs> that's it, it's over. Right, yeah, no, I definitely had experience. All right, well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. In your room which is next to mine (laughs) (laughs) well thank you later for this
1: conversation um yeah yeah it was great
0: um well thank you guys for listening Yeah. (laughs) yeah thank you to my professor for listening to this podcast um great and that's it I want to thank Professor Kayser for making this podcast an assignment for our electronic publishing class. Without her, this podcast wouldn't exist.